Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Philosopher's Stone podcast. I am Jay Jordan, Jay, Jay Jonah Jameson Strauss, that, and he is Sam, Sam the Wise. Oh, all right. I like Sam that. the Wise Gamgee. What's happening, Sam? We're back after a hiatus week. Oh, all yeah. of our fans have been clamoring. Where's the episode? Why'd you guys skip a week? We're, <laughs> we're all waiting. That's what they're all saying, probably. But uh, they they just can't say it to our faces or contact us because uh, they're all being held hostage, obviously somewhere. But yeah. they exist. The yeah, Russia they got they hacked by Russia. They got yeah, Russia hacked our fan base, <laughs> and now the uh, the uh, uh, well, it's okay. How uh, you're in town? I didn't know that. I thought you were in here till like the 22nd or some shit. Oh uh, no, I flew in uh, yesterday. I arrived yesterday. Um, exciting stuff. It was exciting stuff. It was you're riveting. Just, yep. Um, you're staying with your parents. I am. I'm in their condo, Centuria. Where is it? Oh, you're oh man, I, you're like right down the street from me, man. Yes, we have this conversation literally every time I come back to town. <laughs> yeah. Because every time I forget where your parents live. <laughs> but uh, this time I moved, so you're still down the street from oh, me, okay, even nice. though I moved. Nice. Ah, exciting. Did you bring your uh, your lady along with you? No, she still has exams, and then she's going to go to uh, Toronto to be with her mom for Christmas. T-Dot. Nice. Yep. Cool, dude. Yeah. I uh, I got a new cat. I got a new cat. That's the big oh. exciting news in my life. Oh, little kitten. Oh, a Thomas, kitten. the train engine. Thomas, <laughs> aka the gray boy, aka the mayor of Meowtown, <laughs> aka Bubba Sparks. He's a little gray demon. But a blast. A blast having him running around, scratching shit. Oh, kittens are so much fun. <laughs> they're so dude. Curious yeah, but they're also everything. dude in the middle. In the middle of the night last night, I was sleeping with my back to the edge of the bed, bareback, and he decides to use my back as a fucking climbing wall. It scared the <laughs> shit out of me. Like, I haven't been that scared from something going in the night. Like, it just felt like this pain on my back, and I was like, I, I jumped out of bed, and it scared the shit out of him, too, because he just bolted, bolted and hit under the couch <laughs> in the living room. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, that's yeah. like my... Uh... My girlfriend's cat, or her, or her mom's cat, rather, is Bengal. Like, I'm actually scared walking around the house at night if I don't know where he is, because he like literally Bengals will, are will just attack you. Oh yeah, Bengals are are nuts. But yeah, yeah. as soon as the, like I turn the lights out, because at night is when he gets the most. Like he turns into a fucking werewolf. Like, <laughs> not, right when me and Chelsea are ready to go to sleep, that's when he's at his most primal, and it just mm. never lines up well. And, that's a problem. Uh, as yeah. soon as we, yeah, we can just hear him like prowling around the room at night, and like he'll just suddenly jump on the bed, and you know that he might. There's a good chance he might try and get under the sheets and attack your feet. But oh still, it's good. I just find that it's like a constant cycle because, like, during the day when he's sleeping, I'm fucking with him trying to sleep, and mm. when I'm trying to sleep, he's fucking with me trying to sleep. It's just an endless cycle of us not getting good sleeps. But it's worth it because he's got soft fur. And that's really what it is. That's what it's all about. Oh, man. It's fine. Speaking of, of cats, right? So, you know, my, my parents have a cat, this Russian blue bell. Okay. Oh, yeah. My parents live on the 12th floor. This cat was on the balcony, jumped up on the yeah. railing, fell off no. the balcony, Fuck. fell 12 <laughs> floors. Total, what? Totally fine. Totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> it landed in like this like you know what's little crazy? bush. Oh, there's like a crazy. I just bush. watched I just watched like a thing on YouTube about that, about the phenomenon of cats surviving crazy falls. That's pretty 12 floors though. 12 wow. floors into like a small bush and there's like a crater in this little bush. And it's fine. Did it go to the vet? You must have taken it to the vet, right? They no, they didn't even bother taking it to the vet. Like she's totally fine. Oh my god. Yeah, there's a science behind it, and uh, it was explained to me in this YouTube video I was watching that there's certain heights that they will be severely injured. Mm. But there's so 
as long as they can reach t- terminal velocity, 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 mm-hmm. as long as they can reach TV, they will be fine most what? of the time. Really? It, yeah, yeah. That's once weird. their acceleration, once they can't accelerate anymore, they're fine. But if they're still ex- accelerating while they're falling, so I think they just said like in between floors, like seven and nine, is. <laughs> When they have, when they like die or get severely injured, if they fall somewhere in that range, but anything above that or below that, they're usually fine. Wow, which is nuts. Yeah, very not, strange. So uh, lucky. I do not understand that. Well, I could send you the link, but it is something about them being once they reach terminal velocity, they are actually less likely to hurt themselves after oh. they've reached that speed. I yeah, if that's also really true strange. For no, it is not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not, man. <laughs> there would be a very... Uh, people wouldn't even bother trying to throw themselves off of buildings to kill themselves. That was like a known thing. <laughs> you just land and you're fine. Like, fuck. Yeah. God I don't know. Maybe if you're like super anorexic, but you're wearing like a winter coat, you might be able to survive. <laughs> you try to land on all fours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as you roll at the end. <laughs> I had a friend when we were in, uh, when I was like elementary school, he believed because we played a lot of Zelda together. And like in that game, if you press the roll button right when you land, you won't do, get any fall damage. And he mm. thought that would like transfer over to real life. So he thought that if you rolled at the exact right moment, you could like survive jumping off of the Empire State Building. Oh my God. As long as you, as long as you rolled, you timed it right. That is like such a, a stupid kid thing to believe. Like, that is so perfect, dude. He he had a cr- lot of crazy beliefs when we were young. I mean, we were we were like literally in like fourth grade. So, yeah. like, but he, I remember him also thinking that um, that things that were underwater because they're they appear lighter. That he just thought that it was like there was no such thing as weight underwater. Mm. He thought he could lift the Titanic up with one arm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, why wouldn't so why wouldn't have someone swam up with it? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the ship is sinking. We also it's got okay. Just a, wait. Go swim under it. Hold it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Uh, he had some, we also got into a legit fist fight one time because Whoa. we were he was he was certain that we would be able to fly if we just believed hard enough. Mm. And we spent like a whole afternoon jumping off with stuff at this playground and we weren't flying. And then he, I was like, it's impossible. He's like, you're just not believing enough. And we ended up getting into a straight up fist fight. That's basically the matrix. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. I think he watched the matrix recently. Actually, that must've been what it was. Wow. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like we're too young for that. But anyways, cats, (laughs) if you're going to fucking, if you're going to kill a cat via throwing it off a building, make sure you're throwing it off of either floor, somewhere in floor seven to 10, I think that was. Yeah. 12, That's it'll your, be your greatest. higher than that, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's essentially, that was the science behind it. Someone, it was a weird YouTube video. I don't know why I was looking it up, but it was a that, phenomenon. That sounds like some up. horrible person. Like, I'm going to make a YouTube video, and then a bunch of people are going to go throw their cats off a 30 story building. <laughs> I would admit I would agree with you, except for it was like well produced. It had like graphics and like animations and interviews with actual medical doctors and scientists and physicists. And it was a, it was quite the extravagant video about this. Right, maybe I'll maybe I'll check that out and uh, put it to the test. It's just uh, people just noticed that cats fall damage on cats is only in a certain range. They so, have the uh, I don't know the fe- the feather feather light talent or something. Featherfall. I guess. Featherfall. So. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what they have. They have that attribute unlocked. It's an advanced skill tree. ability. Featherfall. <laughs> <laughs> well, no wonder the Egyptians probably worshipped them. You probably threw them off the Great Pyramid at one point. It was probably, <laughs> off just the obelisk. fell off of the scaffolding. Yeah. Well, I guess the, the, the data that they gathered for this uh, study. Yeah, how did they test did this? The study was... Well, I think it was just reports of uh, people that lived in New York about their cats falling off of balconies. And they just realized that all the ones that survived were cats that fell in a certain range. And all the ones that were seriously injured or died fell in another range. I, but I, even the ones I that get... I don't accept these findings what? unless they have tests to back them up. 
They need to well, drop a cat off a 20-floor building in a controlled laboratory setting. And then, then I think know they had sure. a statistic. Oh, really? That there was like, I don't know how many cats that fell in a year in mm. from New York balconies. But even the one, I think there was only one that actually died. Like wow. most of them still live. It's just some some heights they'll they'll sustain a lot more damage. <laughs> you know what? If my cat wasn't so new, I might you know be willing to try and. <laughs> Draft them. We have you have a fucking living. You have a an anecdotal uh, story yourself to support this. It's true. This theory. True. Yeah. This is like something. So if anyone like, should. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. You need more proof. Your own cat survived a fall from twelve floors, which is nuts. Yeah. It it hit a bush. There's it hit like this little bush. There's like a crater in this bush. But I don't know. I, I think it's like casting it honestly. What's that? Could have been low. That would have been more exciting than most of the news that makes our local news station here. Oh yeah, I, I just don't think my my parents want to be that famous. They they like their quiet life. <laughs> they don't want your, the cat to bring on all the eyes and all the paparazzi. Oh yeah, like film stations, castanet parked outside. No thanks. That's too too much. Yeah. too much hype. Next thing you know, you're gonna have freaking Steven Spielberg knocking on your door, wanting to make a movie about we it. We want to make a movie about your cat. Okay, <laughs> it's gonna be so great. We're gonna have Harrison Ford. It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be found footage, low budget, high return, <laughs> high return. We're gonna we're gonna set it in the Colombian rainforest. Uh. <laughs> Okay. Here's the story. A young cat always wanted to be a skydiver, could never afford a plane ticket. <laughs> We're gonna have Shia LaBeouf so, is gonna be the voice of the cat. We think yeah. he's perfect. It decides <laughs> decides to make its way down to the redwood forests. <laughs> oh man. That'd Climb up those trees and <laughs> Yeah. Good movie. What would you call that movie? Um What's a kind of pause. 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 Fall pause. Pause are falling. I don't know. Yeah. Falling. We'll workshop it, man. We'll workshop it. Yeah. But they're uh, they're gonna want to need. To, they're gonna need to interview your parents' cat. What's his name? Her name? Uh, Belle. That was a girl. Yeah. Strong female leads are really hitting right now. Oh, so, that's true. Yeah, I think that's going to be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Bell. Wow, oh, there's the movie Bell Fell. Bell Fell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Bell Fell. There you go. Fucking copyright it. Bag it, tag it, ship it. Uh, so you're in town. How long are you in town for? Um, January 5th, I think, is when I leave. I think I fly back cool, January 5th. You gonna come up to the place, check out the new digs or what? Um, potentially. Am I allowed in or am I gonna get I don't understand I BC's mean, off the record, numbers. off the record, you're fine. Yeah. Do you live alone? No, I live with Chelsea and my brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. What I don't understand is You can wear a mask, just come through, uh just do it. It's like a walkthrough. Yeah. Wear a mask if yeah, you want. Be fine. Yeah. Anyone that's come over has not stayed longer than like half an hour. That's since we moved in. And that's like the compromise they made. <laughs> oh, really? The BC government like made helpful. that compromise? No, 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 no. The BC citizens did. Oh. <laughs> we actually just got an update on the COVID at 3 oh, yeah? o'clock. I wonder what the new, if they put any new sanctions on. Anyways, what. Are we talking about this week, Sam? Uh, okay, right. Um, so today we actually have a really, really uh, good topic. Um, it's a very interesting topic. It's called weakness of the will. Ooh, I feel like I'm going to be an expert at this. Yeah, that's why I chose it. I was like, oh, Jordan understands this perfectly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> I have the willpower of a jellyfish that has been washed up on sea <laughs> on the shore. I don't know why that that's not a very good. I don't know that's what a that's perfect, I like that but it's analogy, weak. Actually, that's a good analogy. You're just like a jellyfish of, out of water is a perfect visual representation of my willpower. You're just a, a gelatinous blob that can't do yeah. anything. 
Yeah. But if anyone tries to I'm touch you, they'll get stoned. Jellyfish. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So weakness of the will. Okay. So we all sort of know what this is. Um, but it's this is a so this is like um. So we're gonna start with this premise that people okay. do what they think is the better course of action for achieving their goal, all things considered. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I, so mean, I mean, is that a, that's the premise that people would d- generally do that? Yeah, generally, like f- like for a long time in philosophy, some philosophers still believe this. A person, okay. if a person has a choice between A or B, and they think that A is all things considered the better course of action, they will do A. Yeah. Yeah. But we all, but then again, we can think of these examples, right? Like suppose you're lying on the couch, you're watching TV and you think, ah, you know, I should probably go and do that run I had planned to do earlier. But you decide that you're not going to bother doing that. You're just going to watch TV. That is essentially what happens to me on the daily. Yeah. <laughs> to, fact, I'm to supposed so to work people. out right after this podcast. And uh, I'm already thinking of excuses as to why not. <laughs> but I will say I was going to have a big old drink of a big fucking vodka mixed drink while I did this podcast with you today. But I said, no, you know what? I, I don't want to be sluggish for the workout after. That's so look good, at that. That's great. Look at that. My willpower is gaining strength. I got one of my little jellyfish tentacles made it back into the water and it's got some mobility. <laughs> You're reaching, reaching for those waves. Yeah, <laughs> reaching. Um, okay, so here's, here's another one. Um, you're a person who smokes cigarettes. You tell people yeah. that you think, all things considered, it would be better to quit smoking. You resolve mm-hmm. to quit smoking. But yep. at your first craving, you buy a new pack and you smoke. Yeah. Um, so, and then there's a third one. And this is uh, the most problematic one. Right? This is what we talked about last week, right? Suppose you are a pessimistic philosopher and you believe that all things considered, it would be best if you killed yourself. You have considered all the relevant arguments and you come to mm-hmm. the conclusion that suicide is the best course of action. You decide you will shoot yourself in the head with a revolver. You buy the gun. Mm-hmm. You hold it up to your head. You pull back the hammer or whatever, but you cannot will yourself yeah. to pull the trigger. So if we if we go back to that, that one's first the premise. Right. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say that one is the one that is like, you know, I think most people would uh, struggle to pull that trigger, oh, even yeah. if they've decided that is the best course of action, because you have that biological urge to like save yourself and keep living. There's there's so many like biological evolutionary mechanisms working against your mm. self harm, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Which is why the premise, right? These things are a paradox. If we if we start with that premise that if you make a judgment that you think A is the best course of action, all things considered, you will do A, then all of these right. things shouldn't be possible. Right. So then we have to reject that premise that when faced with two options, you're not necessarily going to do the one that you think is best. Oh, I think most people probably generally do whatever makes them feel the best over what makes them actually long-term feel the best. It's, instant gratification is much more alluring than the long game mm-hmm. for everyone. Oh, like. yeah, definitely. Um, but that hasn't stopped a lot of philosophers from trying to explain how this weakness of the will thing is impossible because they really do not want to let go of that premise that people will do what they have judged to be the best course of action. So Socrates, for example, says weakness of the will, not possible. Um, If someone is doing B and then they discover that A is actually the best course of action, they will immediately stop doing B and they will opt for the A. The only reason they don't do the best thing is because they are ignorant of the best thing. It's it's crazy that he would think that because like everywhere you look on the day to day basis, people are not doing that. In fact, I think it's way more rare for people to do that than to not do that. Yeah. So, 
they've tried to explain it. Um, so we'll try to give them the benefit of the doubt, see if they can explain it. So there's a guy named uh, Robert Hare. And he, he also thought weakness of the will is impossible. And he thought it's impossible to act contrary to what you genuinely believe is the better course of action. So here, here's a quote from him. He said, if we were to ask of a person, what are his moral principles? The way in which we could be most sure of a true answer would be by studying what he did. It would be when he was faced with choices or decisions between alternative courses of action, between al- alternative answers to the question, what shall I do, that he would reveal what in, in what principles of conduct he really believed. So he thinks that when you have weakness of the will, you have not actually judged that one thing is best and now you're doing the other thing. You really think the other thing is best, but you're just sort of trying to tell yourself that you think the other thing is best. So like he doesn't, he still doesn't think that people can accept that they're doing what isn't best for them and no. still do it. Yeah. So when you're lying on the couch and you think, ah, I, yeah. I know it would be best for me to go and exercise, but I'm just going to stay on the couch. You actually think it's the best thing Staying to do. Staying on the couch is the best thing to do. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, no. <laughs> it just feels the best. It's the least effort because when you, it's the, it's the only way that that is the best for me is the lack of immediate suffering that it comes with it. You know, like, because mm-hmm. getting up and going for that run is going to be, you got to get out of your comfortable position. You got to put on warm clothes if it's cold out. And then there's the physical pain of running itself. <laughs> and uh, even though you know that it's better for your actual body, your mind might just be like, but it's not better because there's going to be pain involved and there's no pain involved by just laying on the couch short term. Mm-hmm. Right. I think people are really bad at gratifying the long-term goals, right? Because it's just like smoking the cigarettes. Like, you know that it's bad for you and it's lowering your quality of life overall, but the immediate benefit overrides all that. So maybe it's just your... In a way, you're, they're right that your primate brain will want to do what it think is best for it in that exact moment, but not. It doesn't like. It doesn't care about the long term. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you. The it's yeah. It's like the cigarette thing. Like you know that long term, the best thing to do is to quit smoking. But in the short term, the best thing to do seems to be to alleviate the pain of the craving in the short term. Exactly. So the, that and that's what lots of people will will do, even though they're they already know that it's better to uh, it would be better to suffer in the short term for the long term game. But most people will suffer in the long term for the short term game. That seems to be like the more common way people go. Yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah, so Hare's position, it seems tricky because it seems like a lot of the times people really do genuinely believe that something is the better course of action, but they end up not not doing that and opting for something else. Because oh man, of some I swear to God, approximate reason. Most of the internal internal struggles I have are that exact thing: is denying the short term, like the denying myself the short term to. Uh, have the gain of the more valuable long-term gain. You know what I mean? Like your yeah. overall mental and physical health over the short-term spikes in pleasure that you get from instant mm-hmm. gratification that is usually detrimental to your health. That's like most people, that's what they're struggling with on a day-to-day is choosing between the two. The short-term and the right? long-term? Yeah. yeah. Like most people, they wake up, they might want like a freaking greasy breakfast sandwich from McDonald's breakfast because it will satisfy their craving the most. But really what they should do is have like a pear or some shit, right? Yeah. Okay, but then maybe... It's like the same thing. Okay, go ahead. It's It goes through like all of the... Because like your animal brain just wants everything right away. It doesn't plan out. It doesn't... <laughs> Like people are really bad at looking at, at uh, um, planning for the future as far as like their health goes. I mean, I think it's because most animals don't have to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't live. Humans that long. seem to be the only ones that have to make those choices. 
And since we are, we have like the the consciousness to look at our lives objectively, we realize that certain patterns are going to lead to uh, pain, and certain patterns will lead to more fulfillment over time. But they're in direct conflict with each other. Yeah. Like I wish it was the other way around. Like why can't the short term pleasure lead to long term pleasure too? Like why does it have to always be? You have to deny yourself the short-term pleasure to gain the long-term fulfillment. Why Why is it set up like that? It's so fucking frustrating <laughs> that you can't just drink and smoke cigarettes and be, you know, some sort of promiscuous vagrant that is, is just out there to, to press the pleasure button on his brain all day. And then that actually extends your life and deepens your relationships with people around. Because those are the ones that your body is like, let's do it. But it always ends up bad if you just give in to those impulses. But uh, wouldn't it be great if <laughs> those impulses led to like a long, fulfilling, enriched life? <laughs> just the more more pleasure you had, the longer you lived, or something like that. <laughs> well, just the more like by by actually just pl- like hitting those short term, th- like smoking cigarettes, doing drugs, uh, promiscuous sex, eating whatever you want, all the greasy, salty. Candy, all the get, all the stuff that you have to deny yourself for the longer term pleasures, or I mean, longer term fulfillments and stuff like that. It would be would, that's what heaven is. I would think is that <laughs> just gluttony, <laughs> that gluttony, giving into every single impulse and desire is actually the way, the best way to have the most, the longest lasting and the most fulfilling life. But it's just not the case. But wouldn't it be great if it was the case? Yeah, I mean, you always That's have the problem of like, not being able to satisfy all of your desires and becoming frustrated as a result of that. Well, there's frustration with denying yourself those desires too. True. Okay, here's a... Okay, but then maybe there's a potential counter-argument for the people who say weakness of the will is impossible. So maybe when people, they're like trying to decide, okay, do I act for the long term or do I act for the short term? Most people, it seems like what they do is they just try to push out of their mind and ignore um, the long-term consequences of what they're doing. And so they're actually not making an all-things-considered judgment. They're deliberately ignoring factors they don't want to consider. So they haven't actually made a judgment that this is best. They've just decided not to think about it too much. Yeah, so they're not, they're not even they're not even uh, considering what the long term effects of their choices are. Right, they're choosing like between the burger or the salad, and they're just they're just like they just decide not to think about the consequences. Rather they, than, to them, there isn't even a salad. It's only burgers. <laughs> All I see is burgers. <laughs> they don't even know that they they just deny that there's even an ulterior lifestyle at all. Yeah. Um. That's that's one way to go. That's why that I always I always think back of like back in the day when doctors were telling you to smoke darts and do cocaine. It's like, yes, that's the life. That's the <laughs> section of life you wanted to live in, right? Cuz you are now smoking <laughs> cigarettes, doing drugs and you actually believe that you're doing your body good. And like that way in that way you can fully enjoy the experience, you know? Yeah, toughening it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The doctor says I should do this, so I'm going to do it. And I feel good because I'm following doctor's orders. Mm-hmm. There was a time period where people could smoke and do drugs guilt-free because they <laughs> were told it's healthy for them. And that, yeah. <laughs> as soon as they found out that that stuff was bad for you, now everybody was doing it when they were doing drugs or smoking or drinking. They knew that they were damaging their bodies. And thus, they will never be able to fully enjoy those things. Yeah, it's it's just not as easy. There's no more. Yeah, there's no guilt free. There's no guilt free cocaine. There's no guilt free vodka in your milk anymore. So it's over. Yeah, it's over. But there was a brief period where there was, and that would have been <laughs> fucking awesome to live through. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So maybe, um, maybe uh, in some cases it's true that um, there's no weakness of the will. Because you haven't actually made the all things considered judgment. But um, so here's another yeah. philosopher. He thinks that uh, he thinks that um, 
weakness of the will is possible in a sense, but it's irrational. So this is um, so in the first one we're we're talking about this thing, the all things considered judgment, where you think, okay, I've thought about all the factors that are relevant, and I've decided that A is the best course of action, but then I do B. So along comes this guy named Donald Davidson. And he's from the sixties and seventies. Yeah. Um, and so he he argued that in all things considered judgment, that A is better is not the same kind of judgment that causes you to do something. So all these people, they basically think that your judgments are tied to your motivation. So what you judge is better becomes like your motivation to do that. So imagine that there's a judge, an indecisive judge. Mm -hmm. And the judge says, okay, well, all the evidence I have seen suggests that A is guilty. Nonetheless, the judge asks for a recess and does not make a decision. So the judge made an all things considered judgment. He said, all the evidence suggests that A is guilty. But the judge doesn't make it, have to make a decision based on that. Right? Like, so a smoker might say, all the evidence I have seen suggests I should not smoke. However, they still smoke because they have not personally made the judgment that not smoking is the best thing for them to do. I, I, I don't know if I understand what the point is here. So he, okay, are, so aren't these people what, just in denial then? Um, it's sort of like you make this judgment that you're like, yeah, okay, I understand um, smoking is bad. All the evidence suggests smoking is bad. Yeah. Stating that all the evidence suggests smoking is bad is not the same as stating I think smoking, I think not smoking is the best thing for me to do. Hmm. Okay. So seems it's like basically a little bit the, of denial. That just does, that just seems like yeah. you're in denial. Then yeah, he's saying that when a person, so when a person does B, even though they think all things considered, it would be better to do A, they are acting for no reason. They're being totally irrational. Well, yeah, they are. Okay, so you you agree with Davidson? I mean, yeah. I mean, they're acting. Uh, they. It's essentially what I was talking about. Like they, most people know and mm-hmm. believe. I would assume. Like you will meet a lot of people that don't think smoking is bad for you. Like that right. would be the craziest holdout ever. Where like someone's literally like, I don't think smoking cigarettes is bad for you. <laughs> that is like straight up just denial at this point. So yeah. most people that smoke, they know that it's bad for them. So they're not like. They're not in denial. They're just choosing to do what's not good for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the th- and I think it is because of your brain is is the the motivation to like to have immediate relief or satisfaction. Your that's just a way stronger, more uh, visceral or like visceral choice that your body your brain makes than being like i should i should resist smoking the cigarette right now even though it would kill my craving and i would be out of this pain state mm-hmm. but people just don't choose that they would wait they just think oh what i'll just have to pay the price way down the road but it's not now so who cares yeah but the yeah so davidson thinks the the all things considered judgment is different from the judgment to actually do something. But Davidson is still, he's not quite got the whole picture because he still thinks that if you, if you genuinely think it would be better to do A than to do B, then you will want to do A more than you will want to do B. Yeah, I guess it depends. Yeah, I mean. But consider, here's another, here's another example. This is, uh-huh. So Davidson would have to say this is impossible. Okay, so imagine um, you go over to your friend's house and you see that your friend is drinking, even though they have mm-hmm. like a big meeting tomorrow that they have to get up for. And so you say to yeah. your friend, look here, your reasons for not drinking seem clearly stronger than your reasons for drinking. So how can yeah. you have thought that it would be best to drink? And your friend replies, well, actually, I don't think it would be best to drink. Do you think I'm stupid enough to think that, you know, given how strong my reasons not to drink are, that I would think it would be best to drink? I think it would be best not to drink. But here I am. I'm drinking. 
And that example is from Michael Bratman, 1979. Well, I know that we've all done something like that <laughs> at some point in our lives. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, you know I've it's shown up to job to interviews. It, you do it. I've, I've shown up to job interviews without a single second of sleep because <laughs> of a party or something. Yeah. And I did it even though I knew it was the absolute worst thing to do, but I still did it. So I like I I don't know how anyone could believe that it would be impossible. The weakness of will thing would be impossible. That's just crazy. I mean, well, yeah, the problem is that that, that sort of normal scenario that so many people are familiar with, it contradicts this principle that if you think A is better to do than B, you will want to do A more than you will want to do B. Yeah, that's just not true. That's yeah. just not how humans are. And to be fair to these philosophers, they I don't think they they had the uh anyway, so let's it seems like they're probably wrong because the theory doesn't seem to match the facts. So It doesn't. Yeah. So here here's something this is a guy who he said something similar to what we were talking about earlier. Um Alfred Meal, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. Basically he thought like, okay, Davidson and Hare, they've tried to tie our motivation for action to our judgments about what is best. But what if our motivation yeah. for action comes from sources outside of our reason? So this is the, the smoker okay. who, as soon as they get that craving, ah, the yeah. immediate reward of alleviating that craving is so much, such a more powerful motivating force than the longer-term reward of quitting smoking. And so they yield to yeah. the more proximate Force. Yeah, I, and I think people usually do yield to the more immediate satisfaction than the long-term one on most things. The food, uh, being exercising or relaxing or smoking and not smoking, drinking and not drinking. It's just like whatever makes you feel better in, in the short term is going to be the option that a majority of people take most yeah. of the time. Yeah. And if Plagiarism. you... And if you if, yeah, if you don't... If you don't, uh, if you are the type of person that generally takes the long, I think that most people have to work to get to that point, mm. right? I think naturally most people are going to go choose just like, it's just like a leftover instinct yeah. uh, left over from when we were like back in the, the ape days of our mm. evolutionary journey. Yeah, It's just <laughs> something that's left over. But if you are the type of person that does eat well, doesn't do drugs, drink, or, you know, you know these people. You know these fucking people, right? <laughs> I don't think they started like that. I don't think they naturally like that. I think they had to work to get to that point. I think most people you see that live that type of lifestyle at one point uh, live the opposite and yeah. realize the the pitfalls of that and worked at getting to the other side. But Impulse control. I don't know of many people that at least not in my life. I just mentioned because I hang out with a general degeneracy <laughs> of society, but oh. uh, or the culture of whatever social environment you grow up in. But for the most part, I don't know many people that started from the get go have been like living the best healthy choices all the time. No, it's pretty rare. Like unless you're like raised, uh, even then you're gonna. You're not going to even be the if best. you're raised like that, you're going to revolt at some point yeah. because that motivating factor of instant gratification over long term satisfaction is, uh, is it is really strong. Yeah, and then some people it's, they it's take it too far and they become like a, a ascetic person and they sleep on like a stone slab. They only eat yeah. water and bread or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching, I found this YouTube channel where this guy uh, recreates uh, recipes that he finds in cookbooks from like the 1700s. Oh, Townsend? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Have you seen that guy? I've seen some of them, yeah. Oh my God, I saw one last night and the recipe was literally just, the first one I saw was he just bake a, you just bake an onion whole with oh, the sounds, skin on and everything. sounds good. It it did actually kind of look good. He's like, all you do is put a little salt on it. And I'm like, hey, well, apparently that wasn't a cookbook from the 1800s. But then the other one I saw was, uh, he literally was boiling stale bread until it was like this soupy texture. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah. That is. And he melted cheese uh, into it. And it was like liquid bread. It was so oh, gross. Oh. Yeah. 
bread yeah. porridge. Oh, yeah, it was nasty. I heard he Couldn't did one called the uh, coffee eggs. Yeah, he's, he's I saw disgusting. that. I saw the thumbnail. Yeah, I saw the thumbnail. Maybe we'll watch it after this podcast. I but think it's like you separate. I know what you're saying the, is that like, I think it's like you separate the eggs from the the whites, and yeah. then you put the you like boil the yolks in coffee or something. Uh, I don't that's know. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like a. I don't care what time period you come from. That's there's no excuse for that. I don't care if you're from the dark ages. You should never do that. Oh my god, I, I don't even want to know. I think, I think the oldest food is probably like chickpeas or something. What or like, oldest yeah. food is chickpeas or like some sort of seed? I think people ate seeds. seeds. There's some, there's some, uh, there's some loud venting in this office. I don't know. I think it's getting picked up from the mic. You're right. in an office. Uh, anyone's listening? If we have any listeners, that's what the sound is you're hearing. It comes oh. on and off. It's like a rattling. Can you hear it? No. Cannot. Okay. Well, I know what you're saying about like you can go too far with the if the healthy lifestyle becomes more of a uh, a vanity thing than any than anything, then that's a different Mm. sort of addiction you're feeding. Yeah. Like the some people like take the whole like that David Goggins guy. I think that guy has got problems. Like, yeah, that's so weird. Like, who would want to be in so much pain all the time? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like you're way beyond. And I, I honestly don't think that that is over, overall healthier. I think your body will break down from over usage. Like, yeah. yeah. You shouldn't have to run four marathons in a week every week. Like, make <laughs> your so insane. Or else you feel lazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think there is such thing as overworking your, your body. Like, that, like, you don't need to run a marathon every day. Like, you yeah. just don't. So, That's don't like a why. case where it's like... Get, it's like he needs weakness of the will in the opposite direction. Like every day he gets up and he's like, oh man, I know I should probably not run this marathon because I'm going to destroy my body. <laughs> but I'm going to yeah, do it anyway. So far, <laughs> <laughs> he went so far around the thing that he's now addicted to the pain of the exercise. But I guess you do get endorphin, like endorphin releases and stuff. The Maybe he's a little, yeah. he's like, he's got a, he's addicted to the runner's high and like, you know, Imagine if there was like a like a an AA for for that type of addiction, like <laughs> exercise addiction. Oh man! Sometimes I, I see my running shoes on the as I'm leaving the house, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go to work, but no, I just put on those running shoes. I can get a quick run in just just half an I hour. Forgot to feed my baby because I was on a five k. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> my life. My wife left me. Because <laughs> I wouldn't get off the elliptical. <laughs> you never talk to me anymore. All you do is stare at the calorie points on your goddamn elliptical. Ten more minutes, baby. Ten more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, those people exist too. Like the people that live at the gym and like are, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the no pain, no gain lifestyle or people mm. that are like, I think that it becomes to a lot of people, it's vanity driven over health. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. you don't need yeah. to be as shredded as a fictional superhero. Like, you don't need to look like fucking Goku. Like, but there's a lot of people that they need, like bodybuilders. Like, that's a different type of body dysmorphia. I think people, everybody knows that nowadays is that yeah. these people that are doing like insane amount of steroids and, and like torturing themselves to get yeah. like the perfectly sculpted body are like, it's a mentally, they're mentally ill a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Body dysmorphia. Well, it's not like being a, I wouldn't say like most professional, I, I like most professional athletes, I wouldn't say that they're healthy. Like, cause you can't sustain no. that for very long. In fact, by the they're time like you're like being your optimized for a very, yeah, they're being optimized for a very short period of their lives. Yeah. Right? Peak performance. Cause yeah. like, if you want to be, like have the highest level of physical fitness for the most the longest sustained period you're not going to work out like you probably shouldn't do the workout of like an NFL linebacker no every day you know what i mean like <laughs> they're they're getting in like the the 
the peak physical shape for that job for like however long their career is. I don't know what the average NFL career is even Three years, for a linebacker. Three years? Yep. And they're toast. Did you just whip that out of your ass? No, I'm serious. You can look that up. It's, it's like right around now. three years, average NFL average career. Average NFL career. Career duration. I'm sure the position you play has a lot to do it. Oh, yeah. Do with it. Because, like, what's his name? Tom Petty. He's been a quarterback <laughs> for fucking <laughs> Tom forever. Petty and the Heartbreakers. <laughs> 3.3 years. That's got to be, like... Is there a sport with a shorter average than that? I don't know. That's probably the shortest. And then they all have like insane depression after that because they have CTE. all the CTE. Yeah. A lot of them are go nuts. broke very quickly. That is the, that's, that's fucking awful. Man, who would yeah. want to play in the NFL it's for brutal that? Unless sport. you're a quarterback and you literally, you have like five dudes whose job is, is to make. <laughs> The whole game yeah, now, you're so, not allowed to hurt quarterbacks anymore. Yeah, it's the only safe position. That and the kicker, I guess. But okay, so apparently the average is three to five years uh, across football, basketball, baseball, and hockey. Oh wow, damn, that's nuts. Yeah. So like, man, people dedicate their whole lives, their whole young life, to essentially have five years in the sun. Yeah. That's nuts. If you do it right, you end up like with great networking and lots of money and stuff. But I think most people fuck it up. Hmm. Interesting. The the shortest careers, according to this website I'm looking at, are NFL football and golf. Guess what the second one is? Golf. No, golf is one of the longest. Actually, oh. <laughs> the second one is long distance running. Damn. Yeah, long distance runners, they look like they're like fleeing the Holocaust. Yeah, they just look (laughs) so brutal. They look like they've been (laughs) running away from Auschwitz since the war ended. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Is the war over yet? I'm still running. Yeah. So, like, I I think it's safe to say that, like, if you're looking for long term health, Training at that level is not the best way to do it. And that's not the best way to go about it. Like high no. intensity training. Yeah. Cause like like they're 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 literally just transforming their bodies to perform at that level in that scenario for three years, right? Mm-hmm. And then many of them are their bodies are fucked for the rest of their lives after that, just because of that oh, yeah. their their rise to that one position. Yeah. Ugh. Um okay. I think we have like 13, 14 minutes left. So there's a, okay. just a couple more, couple more points to make about this. But so we, we got to the point where we're pretty sure that it seems like our, the reasons that we have, our motivations for action, they don't just come from our reasons. They also come from other factors, psychological factors, yeah. emotional factors, um, things like that. And so... Oh man, if people... I feel like that's what being enlightened is, is being able to act purely based on reason. That's like such a rare thing to see. You'd think so, but, right? So they've, people have thought that, okay, so this means that we have like two systems in our brain. They've called it like system one, system two. System one is like more rational and slower. And then system two is like more emotional reactive. But mm-hmm. turns out that this actually seems to be a false dichotomy. It is simply not the case that we have a rational brain and an emotional brain and they're like competing with each other. We actually have multiple systems for making decisions and they all have to be working together in tandem or you can't really think at all. So they've done tests where they put like electrodes on people and they suppress the like emotional parts of their brain and these people and then they make them do like these decision-making games and uh People become terrible at it, especially games where you have to decide like who you're going to trust and not trust. When you yeah. have the emotional part inhibited, like you become really bad at making decisions. Yeah, um, yeah, that's crazy that they can suppress that with elect- electricity. That's yeah. nuts. Well, they, they know like the like the amygdala. They know the different areas of the brain that do things. Um, do you think they're ever going to have that in like soldiers? Like they have the they can just 
suppress your empathy portion of your brain and like yeah Uh, i hope not. or like even just have that in like a general society is that like if you know you're going to do a certain task you can like adjust your brain frequencies to like optimize it for whatever task so you can like turn down your emotional side and turn up your rational side oh my god okay well tweak it well remember remember it's it's we should not say that emotions are not rational because sometimes emotions are rational. So right, consider right, right. consider right. this. This is my this is my favorite one. I made this one up. Okay. So imagine you are a Nazi soldier and you're searching a house for Jews. Okay. According to everything you have been taught and raised with. You I already that. daydream about this for you, like this is your life. Yeah. yeah. This is uh, not a hard fantasy for me to leap into for some reason. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to put on those those jack boots. All right. So you believe that. All things considered a dead Jew is better than a live Jew. You open a closet and you see a little Jewish mm. girl, maybe six years old, hiding behind the hanging goods. Yeah. But you do not act on your all things considered judgment that you should kill the Jews. Instead, you close the door and you declare that the room is clear. Mercy or compassion influence your decision. So yeah. you didn't act on your all things considered judgment. You didn't take what you all things considered thought would be the better course of action. You did something else. But does that make right. the decision irrational? I would say no. I No, it doesn't. It, what it does, it, I think it just reveals that you actually truly don't believe that all things considered a dead Jew is the only good Jew or whatever you said. Uh, <laughs> so you're like, you're, you're going Robert Hare on me? Yeah, I think that when that when it came to it, you you knew that, or you realized there's a or deep under your in your core, you know that even though you hate Jews, even killing a Jewish child it, like is still against your inner code or something that resides deep inside of you. So you, then you realize that it's not in fact true that you believe that the only good Jew is a dead Jew or whatever you keep saying. <laughs> <laughs> could be I think in this particular scenario though um, I don't know if they have a sincere belief that those things aren't true but it's definitely the case that something some other thing like intervened and stopped them from from doing what they genuinely thought they should do yeah I mean maybe it was just the uh, I think it's like the suicide thing. Like hands you, you, dirty? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's like the suicide one where you sometimes like everything you've, you're thinking about tells you to do something. But when it comes down to it, you just can't do it. So just like the suicide one, the pessimistic philosopher, they genuinely think like, I should kill myself. I can't see any reason not to. I think it's the best thing to do. But they just can't pull the trigger. In this case, it's sort of the same thing. They're like, I should really alert the captain. Like, look, I found one. But for some reason, I just can't say it. So in that case, I would say, like, even if he did believe in his heart that he should kill every Jew, he comes across there's biological uh, mechanisms at work that make him not want to harm a child, which are stronger than his beliefs about the Jews. Yeah. Some. Yeah. So, like, I guess the whole the point of this is that the whole the whole idea of the dichotomy between your your reasoning and your emotions or whatever like that whole dichotomy the whole like plato's brain where there's like the rational part of your brain and the appetitive part of your brain and the spirited part of your brain like all of these dichotomies are just not true and that the brain is way more complicated it's way more holistic than that yeah it seems to be that that way but it is yeah, neural uh, link yeah, I think that they that would be great to like say uh say at one point you could adjust the electricity going through your brain manually. So like turn off the fear part of your brain. Or like say this, like instead of like say you had an app now and right. you're like, "Hey, I'm relaxing on the couch. I love I li- I like that I'm playing this video game, enjoying it, but I know at this point in time coming up I'm going to have to, I, I have a plan to exercise and I know I'm not going to want to. 
Mm -hmm. So I set an alarm on that app to when it gets to the time where I'm supposed to exercise, the actual, the, your brain adjusts, you can adjust your brain manually to now be wired to want to put down the video game and go exercise. Like naturally you're going to want to do that. And anytime you have to come and, and show any sort of force of willpower, you don't have to actually, you can just adjust, adjust your the brain frequency to to be know. more suited to want to do that thing. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I I had this app on my computer called Freedom, and you could like program yeah. it to like totally disable your internet so that you'd like be forced yeah. to do something. And I just never could bring myself to like actually schedule anything. Or like if I knew, <laughs> I would just know the password to turn it off, and I would just go turn it off. <laughs> See, that's because your brain is still the is still the problem. Yeah, but like my point is like even if you have this app, you're gonna be like, you're gonna like maybe you set your plan to like inhibit you. Well, then like you're gonna know like oh five minutes before the plan kicks in, you're gonna be like ah, do I really want this plan to kick in? No, I don't. I'm gonna go disable it. (laughs) I don't know, man, because that's the thing. The beauty of it is that it will make you want to do the other thing instantly. So there will Mm. be no. You will never actually have to. Uh, summon any willpower because at every at your sket your brain will automatically switch to the mode where it wants to do the things on the schedule. So there is no willpower involved. It's all going to be shit you want to do at that time. So when, okay, does that mean that what you do would that take away your free will? Would that be like surrendering your your will to this machine? It's essentially you're pre-programming your your decisions. <laughs> Jeez, throughout the day. Oh, like 10 a.m., it's going to make me want to file that report or something. Yeah, it's going to make your brain, it's going to adjust the uh, the frequency in your brain somehow and make you, oh. like, you know how you said <laughs> I can't see any out. way that this could go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it won't end in disaster. <laughs> All right, well, that's... With the, on that note, I think I'm going to force myself to go work out, even though I really, really don't want to right now, just to prove you wrong, Sam. Hey, I didn't say you, you can't do it. I read between the lines, dude. I, this whole <laughs> podcast was you essentially telling me that I won't, I won't be able to do it. <laughs> well, this is, a, this is a good holiday episode because people are going to be struggling with this for like the next week or two. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our episode. We uh, we should try and do these as often as we can weekly. Yeah, my exams but, are over uh, now. So, oh, perfect. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a wrap for this week. We have that's no right. emails. We got no emails to our what? email. Uh, no more TPS gay podcast four twenty. What's that? No Actually, more. We got one Rus- from Joel. Oh, we got sweet. one from Joel. And it said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. Pretty sure that's all it Merry says. Christmas. So, but let me just check the email account here. I think we didn't get any more gay porn links, which is a win. So Weird. Yeah. So, we didn't really get any uh, questions, but we didn't get any requests to bang men. So, we are... Yeah. And no denials. Concerned. No one's disagreeing with us either. That's good. Everyone agrees. Yeah. So we're on like a neutral plane here of not banging dudes. And uh, oh, what do we got here? So we have uh, one email. Merry Christmas Jingle Balls. That's from Joel. Shout out, Joel. Thanks for being the first and only person to email us. And we also got another one. And it is uh, AmazingRibs.com. Pitmaster Club. We got (laughs) invite to join a barbecue. Oh, uh, wow. Forum, <laughs> the pitmaster privilege. Wow. Yeah. So all in all, we're a net positive. Hey, so uh, if anyone's still listening, or if we have, we have, if if there's anyone that if anyone's out there, send in an email <laughs> out there in the dark, <laughs> empty space. Let us know we're not just screaming into the void every weekend. Yeah. We could easily just do this over a phone call if that's the case, but. This uh, <laughs> this helps us motivate, motivates us to uh, I don't know, 
Anyways, thanks for listening. Feliz Navidad.